Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Russ, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes right here in Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Rachel Hind from rachelhind.com. Before we settle into the show today, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast. I know that you're going to absolutely love Rachel's story of doing whatever it takes to break through. And if you're a return listener, welcome back. It's great to have you back. As always, I like to say we love our repeat offenders here at the Go All In podcast. Make sure you just take a quick peek at your phone as you're listening in right now and hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on now. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always have some inspiration in your pocket every couple of days. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit that subscribe button and ring the bell there as well. That way you'll never miss an episode as they come out on YouTube as well. One last thing, if you like what you hear today, please share this story with your friends and your family because Rachel has a a really important message that needs to be heard. And if we can just get one person and we can help that one person to break through their barriers like Rachel did, then that can only be a good thing. I don't make any money out of this podcast. I don't have any ads. I don't do affiliate deals. I don't do any of that stuff. So what I would ask for you in return for sharing these stories is just to share this podcast with just one or two other people. Alrighty, let's get into the show today with Rachel Hine. Now, if you're listening to this podcast or watching this video, I'm not sure where you're from. One of the things that you may not know about Australian society, if you're not an Aussie and you're listening to this, is that we have a very strong culture of drinking and partying. And I have to say, there's not too many things that are better than a cold beer by the beach on a hot summer's afternoon. And I think many Australians would agree with that statement. That said, Aussies, and I know this is a bit of a broad generalization, I get it, but Aussies have a bit of a tendency to go a little overboard. And I know the Aussies listening to this will go, yep, that is true. As you'll hear Rachel's version of this very familiar story of the corporate drinking culture was becoming a problem for her. Now, it takes time and effort, and most of all, it takes a lot of guts to recognize that your behavior is becoming a problem. And it takes a lot of courage and a whole lot of emotional intelligence to begin to make some changes that will resolve your problem behavior. To fix it, you have to go all in, that's for sure. Rachel's journey to sobriety was not an easy one, and that's no real surprise because any change that you need to go through in life is hard, but that's especially true of giving up the booze. For me personally, I feel that Rachel's goal in story is so important, and it needs to be told and shared. And the reason for that is because it's just so unbelievably familiar. When you listen in, you might really kind of resonate with it yourself, like she's telling your story, or you'll certainly know somebody exactly like what Rachel experienced and her experiences. I know in my life, I've had a bit of a problem with the booze as well, but when I unpacked that, it wasn't the booze so much that was a problem. It was the mates I was hanging around with. I laugh about it now and I I say, well, I used to say that I had a drinking problem and the problem was that I just drank too much when I went out. And as soon as I removed those people that were the problem for my life, I suddenly no longer had a drinking problem. It turns out I needed better friends, which of course I did find. Alrighty, let's get into the show with Rachel. I'm excited she's here, so please help me in welcoming Rachel Hind. Rachel Hind, welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. 
I'm so excited to be here. You saw me just do my power move, so I can't wait to go all in. <laughs> yeah, for the people that didn't get to see the start of the interview, there's a couple of Tony Robbins fist pumps under the table to get this going. So it's all very exciting. But before we get too carried away and get into this go all in craziness, let's learn a little bit about you. Where are you from? What's your background? Right. Um, yeah, well, hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Hind. So uh, where am I from? I'm actually a Kiwi, so uh, you'll probably hear it in my accent. Uh, when I say things like pen <laughs> or fish and chips, you'll be able to hear that I'm a Kiwi. And I live in Sydney. I've been here for the last eight years, and I'm a Northern Beaches local. And prior to that, I lived in London for 12 years. So I've really had a big major self-discovery journey, really. So um, we can elaborate on that later. But um, I sort of moved from corporate world to coaching so it's been it's been a big change a big transformation a big breakthrough what what's your background in the corporate world um i'm a qualified lawyer and an accountant so <laughs> very corporate that's a that's a double whammy of, of corporate <sighs> yes yes you couldn't get more conservative um corporate if you if you tried i don't think Mm, absolutely. Did you work for some big, interesting firms? I did. I actually very one of probably my one of my points in my career I remember the most is I was one of the people that walked out of Lehman Brothers with the green box. Oh no way! Yeah, <laughs> that, was the, yeah. that was the height of your corporate career. It was the height of my corporate career. The one I most remember. So um, yeah, I was at Lehman Brothers for uh, two and a half years, and I was sort of there towards the end. So actually, you know, got asked to leave and pack my things in a, in a green box and walk out the front doors and walked out with no redundancy. I was fortunate. I had colleagues that even walked out that hadn't had their expenses paid. So, so you, were, you were all right. There was no outstanding bill. I was all right. So, yeah, my highlight of my corporate career. What sort of law did you practice? In New Zealand, you don't really, you don't really become a specialist. So you get qualified as a barrister and a solicitor. So I could have done court work or I could have done solicitor. I went into though, I went into taxation law. So because it very, it worked well with accountancy. So yeah. <laughs> that, I'm always, I'm always I baffled. I can tell how enthralled you are. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. I'm like, I, I admire the ability to actually stick with something like that, but I'm always baffled at how people arrive there. Like, what was it when you were a kid? Did you, did you always want to be a lawyer? Uh, no. Well, this is what has been the major self-discovery, and I can't wait to share it. But um, I grew up with parents, and I think it's very much a generational values where, you know, you, you, go, and, you go and get an education and you... And it's all about, you know, succeeding and about money. You go for the education, which is going to earn the most money. And then you go go to university for five years and then you go to that job and you just stay in that job and you earn money. And it's not necessarily what you want to do, but it's, what, it's what's going to earn the money and it's stable and it's, you know, it's, it's a profession. You've got an education and professional qualification. So I did pretty much what my parents sort of wanted me to do. Was it hard? <laughs> Yeah, because I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I mean. And like, if you got to study something you don't enjoy, then it can be really difficult. Yeah, it's, it was a slog. It was a slog. Mm, mm. And <laughs> what what happened when you finished uni? Were you like, oh my god, I'm I'm out of here? And then did you go straight to a job in that? Or oh uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a pretty good time. You know, it was a it was a sort of nineties. Early 90s, it was, you know, the time of big expense cards and I got into banking and investment banking. So my job from New Zealand took me to London. Um, so it was, it was a, 
big expense accounts, lots of amazing Christmas parties. Uh, <laughs> um, banking was a great career, but obviously it all come crashing and burning and it was not sustainable. I remember doing practices and going, this is bordering on illegal and not sustainable. It was just that level of growth and, um, you know, like practice, looking at risk and that practice was not sustainable. Mm. But it was fun. It was fun until the GFC happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wondering, like, you, you find yourself in a career that you kind of, yeah, I'm in this career. Like, I've had jobs before where they've never really aligned, but I haven't had to study for five or six years. Uh, uh, and I hadn't had to go all in on it like like you're describing. So that's kind of... And this is where I think, you know, and I don't know if my dad's listening, but this is where my probably my parents are struggling a little bit at the moment with what I'm doing and what I've done in the last 18 months is like, how can you give out that great education, that qualification you've got? You've studied for six years and you're doing this coaching business, which, you know, like, why would you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's not an uncommon thing. I've got plenty of mates that I went to school with that went to university and don't do anything with their degrees. They yeah. just went and, they went and ticked the box because they weren't really sure what they wanted to do with their lives. They ticked the box. And one, one, of my, uh, one of my really good mates that I w- was in primary school with, yeah. he went and did a HR degree and never, ever worked in. I'm never, I, I remember seeing him, like I was, I'd been away in the military and I was back at the, in, in the local area and I saw him and I was like, dude, are you finished uni yet? And he goes, yeah, I, I, fin- I finished last week. And I'm like, oh, are you going to go and work in that field? And he's like, not on your life, man. It's the most boring thing in the world. I said, what a waste of time. And he goes, I oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, but he finished it to his credit, you know, and he yeah. ticked that box. So, you know, good on him. Good on him for that. And he found a pretty successful career in sales and working with Samsung and whatnot. So he did really well, you know, yeah. and I'm sure that he wouldn't have, been able to open those doors without having those credentials and qualifications so you know i'm not here to bash education or say it's bad or anything like that it's very very important no regrets you know know. me all of that shaped me to become who i am today so it's completely an experience and learning that i needed to go through to get to where i am now so yeah completely no regrets at all Absolutely. You know, the, the go all in show is, is often, I say it, I say this all the time. It's often about a, a transition. So you've yeah. made a transition out of the, the corporate world. And let me ask you the signature question because it's an appropriate time. Rachel, people come on over to the go all in podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could mate, could you please share with us your biggest go all in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment? Okay. Well, my biggest go all in was really, I mean, I believe you go all in after you've had some sort of personal breakthrough or transformation. And often it's that sort of personal breakthrough and transformation that you can then help share and inspire others without you really realizing, but you start sharing your story because you've had this amazing transformation breakthrough in your own personal life. And that's what happened with me. I was working, I, I mean, it started with my career in banking, you know, in my late 20s. I was all, all fun and banking. Part of the culture was you would go out drinking, drinking to celebrate your deals, drinking to, to, to have team bonding sessions. Everything was revolved around working, then drinking, working, drinking. So Obviously, that played out in my life, and was it was you know it was it was pretty fun and, and really social when I was single and uh, you know I had very little responsibilities, and then I sort of uh, obviously had two kids and got married and 
and my drinking did decrease. But what I found is that I actually my, my drinking went more like became more at home and it didn't really, it never really stopped and actually started. I was more of a binge drinker anyway. And I just sort of found I kept on sort of having these binge sessions. And obviously because I had kids and I had a marriage, this was starting to negatively impact my life. <laughs> Like, you know, having having coming home on Friday night and go, woohoo, it's Friday and opening up a bottle of wine and finishing that and then starting another and finishing that. And and on Saturdays being not not fully present with my kids and and I was just going, This is not no longer doing me any favours. It's no longer serving me. And and I started just going and, and probably the, the the big moment for me was I went and got some health test results and I was, you know, I was running half marathons. I was outwardly looking like I had it all together, you know, very fit, looked, you know, okay, healthy, you know, good job, you know, married to kids. But inside I was struggling with anxiety, you know, very low moods, very tired, very lethargic. And then I went and got health test, um, blood test results and it came back with elevated liver enzymes, which is the first start to actually getting fatty liver. Mm. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and, um, you know, here was somebody like me who was going to the gym still. I was still, you know, doing half marathons. I was like, this was a big wake-up call because – I never put myself in that category that, that you know, this my drinking was impacting me that much that it was actually, you know, I'll start on the way to getting chronic disease. Mm. So um, that's when I go, right, this has got to change, you know, and, and I know now that, you know, you're, something like your alcohol, your drinking levels only increase with age if you don't change it. So I was actually drinking more every year. My tolerance was going up. And as a woman, because of our muscle mass reduces as we get older, our tolerance goes up because we've got more body fat. Mm. So I was drinking more and more to get the same level of, you know, the same buzz. And I just go, this has got to stop. So three years ago, I just go, right, this has got to stop. And I just became fully committed. And I made this change a must. I go, I must change. And I went all in, go all in. I went all in, and I I committed to sobriety. Did you did you get a did you get a fright when you got those medical results? Oh, did, it, yeah. did it scare you? Like, did it give you a kick up the ass? Oh, it just was like, but how can this be possible? Because I'm I'm fit. I do run half marathons. You know, like it, it was. But I knew inside. I knew proving to the outside world. I I had it all together. I was doing that. Mm. But I knew when I looked inwardly that things weren't things weren't going well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a uh, as I said, the go all in show is about transitions, and yeah. sometimes the transition is from a job to a a business or a business that didn't work, and you're going back to a job. And in your case, it's a it's a health related one. And everything that you described there, I think you described Australian and Kiwi culture pretty yeah. pretty down to a T when you first enter the workforce and it doesn't really matter what part of the workforce you enter, white collar, blue collar, same things occur. You know, if you're a tradie, you're down the pub with your mates after work. That's kind of what tradies do, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and um, yeah, so I became, I went committed and went all in and, and literally my sobriety became a number one priority in my life um, above everything. And 
I was going, I mean, the big thing that really helped me was smart recovery. I went and did that because there was nothing available that was such as coaching for this. Mm-hmm. And when I went through it and, you know, I made it a complete, complete priority in my life. And, and, and so that was a massive breakthrough and it was so doing that. And then I did smart recovery and they actually asked me because I was so committed. They said, will you become, become a trainer? Mm-hmm. Because, you, you, you're so committed and passionate about this. And so they trained me up and I started training group sessions. And then from that, it sort of grew into the coaching. So my story was helping and inspiring others. And, and then I started understanding all, this, all the other people like my age, middle-aged women that are out there suffering alone. With And, you know, it's, and it's not just drinking. You know, drinking is probably the biggest unhealthy habit that we have but you know there's people out there that are doing such things as overeating overexercising and it all comes down to the fact that we're just not happy within so we go and self-sabotage ourselves and and that problem could be anything but you know i would say 85 percent of of women is drinking but you know there's over exercising overeating overworking shopping you know we go and do these things to hurt ourselves Mm, mm. I just want to unpack one thing that you said there for the people listening and watching this, uh, watching your show. You said that you went through a, a process called smart recovery. Can you yeah. just explain to the people that have never heard that before what that okay. actually is? Smart recovery is like a, an alternative to AA, okay? It's group facilitated sessions and it's very much based on CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And cognitive behavioral therapy is based on your thoughts and your feelings control your actions and behaviors. So it's, it's making you take 100% responsibility for your actions and getting you to change your thoughts and your feelings so that then you'll have a different action or behavior. Um, and I really like that and I really grasp that because, and I've taken that now to my you know, neuro-linguistic programming because I really believe that, that you are in complete control of you and your thoughts and your beliefs and your thoughts become your reality. Mm. And, and, and that's why I, I really like that program. So it's a, it's a free community-based program. It's, it's only group sessions and, these, and they run these 243 meetings throughout Australia and it's a, it's a registered um, government organisation. So it's... It's really good. It's, it's a free community-based session, and, and I run one in Northern Beaches, and I'm also starting one here in Sydney in the CBD. Mm-hmm. And it's just an opportunity for people with, with similar problems, and it can be any problem behaviour. It doesn't just have to be drinking. can come together and share their experiences with other people that are going through, through similar problems. Mm-hmm. And, and what about for... For somebody that's listening to this, and and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit shortly, but everything that you describe with the culture in, in banking, you go to work and you get on the cans after work or yeah. you celebrate and you get on the cans. And, you know, I can remember when I was in the army. You're sad you get on the cans. You're happy you get on the cans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I just get on the cans. That's just how it is, right? And um, for the American listeners out there, they're probably going to like that because it's a bit, of a, a bit of Australian slang in there for you. But... You know, I, I can. I was talking to a, an American Army guy the other day, and we were we were joking and saying, when back in the day when we were doing that, we were like the fittest alcoholics you'd ever seen. Yeah. Like we would go and we would go and drink beer till 
I don't know, midnight and then drink something, some other concoction of rocket fuel till about three o'clock in the morning, come back to yeah. barracks, sleep till six o'clock, put your, put your running shorts on and go and run 10 kilometers and be able yeah. to function all day. It was incredible how fit we were. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Like for some reason we, we, we measure ourselves by the fact we can still do this, but when you actually take a step back, you're actually going, you're actually punishing yourself. You're, you're not nurturing your mind or your body. You're actually punishing it. Yeah, it's and you know now, now as I'm quite a bit older than what I was there, you know that's 20, 20 years ago type thing. If I drink something today, and this, by the way, the people that are listening, we're not here to say don't drink alcohol. No, and, no, not at all, know, not at all. Yeah, that's that's an important part of our society, and it's an important part of socialising as a human being. Nothing wrong with drinking, just when when it's becoming a problem for you. That's what we're kind of describing here. But I do know now, as a as a forty year old man who does have a a lot more attention on my health and fitness than I once did in my twenties because there was no really reason to do that in my twenties. Yeah, exactly. But when it, when I drink something, it's when it affects me. Like I probably drink two beers and that'd be about the limit of it. If yeah. I drank a third or a fourth beer, the next yeah. day I would have a hangover yeah. from just drinking three or four beers. And when I feel like that, and I've done that plenty of times, I feel like that. I feel like what you're ingesting is poison. Correct. Exactly right. I mean, you can feel it. <laughs> it's, it's ethanol. It's a carcinogenic, you know. I, I think it's great. There's getting so much more information out there about what it actually is. I think we never really knew what it was and how it, and the science behind it, the science. Mm. And and I complete, and I just want to say that like I, I am so so the non most non judgmental person out there. Like everyone is different. Everyone is different. You know, I've got. I had a husband who drank. You know, and I've been, been giving up. You know, three years. And um, I had a husband, and he's only just recently, over three years, just given up because it's been his on his own accord when he wants to. And he's just said. I just want to, you know, I want to actually get up early and do the more things that you do with the kids. So it's not, and his journey was completely different to mine. Mm. I had I had more of a reason to make the changes I had to do at the time I did. So everyone's different and how everybody decides to, to, to do it is just different. So I have said no to people. So some people can perfectly fine having, you know, drinking and some people, two glasses of wine could be a problem for someone and, and perfectly fine for somebody else. Yeah, to- totally. And that's, that's what I, yeah. I would reiterate that and echo that as well, that, you know, if you want to drink half a dozen beers each day, that's kind of your prerogative. Right. You know? if that, if that's affecting your life and it's hurting or harming the people around you or you, then it's a problem. You've got to recognize yeah. that that's. Yeah, that's exactly. It. Exactly. So if someone's listening to this, Rachel, and they're, and they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you're kind of just describing me. I have half a dozen drinks every day. Whatever, I drink a bottle of wine when I come home from work. Don't you know it's stressful, the corporate yeah. world? Well, I need to unwind. I want to relax and drink a wine and eat a pizza and watch Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's listening to that and then maybe they're kind of, you know, it's the devil and the angel on your shoulder sort of thing. You yeah, know, that's a great analogy, yeah. You, you know, and I'm pointing, and you know, I'm pointing at myself here, by the way, not at you. When there's a problem, I really like Rob this analogy, and I say it a lot. Is that it's kind of like you're sitting in a comfortable chair, okay? And if you're sitting in the comfortable chair, and there's some smoke alarms going off around you, okay? Do you either listen to those smoke alarms, and and I've got a choice here to get out of the house before it burns down, 
Or do you just keep wait for the smoke alarms and keep on going and sit in your chair until the house burns down? No, you probably crack another tinny and just go, yeah. she'll be right. When you think it's not a problem, that's what you do, right? But when you recognize there's a problem, you hear that alarm. If exactly. there's no problem, there's no alarm. Exactly. Like people people that when it's starting to come up, there are alarms going off around you, okay? And when you start to pick those up and you go, okay, do I actually take heed of these uh, these warning signs or do I just continue on going with no change? Mm. And, and people know. Everyone knows it themselves. You know, you know, in your heart, did your, did your drinking and, and your, I guess, bad habit of drinking like that, did that affect other people? Did that affect your kids and your husband? No, I mean, oh, God, I look back on it now and I look at me, the sober me, and I'm going, of course it did, because, you know, I'm such a better mom, a better wife, a better, you know, I've set up a new business, I did everything obviously is better. I don't get as many party invites, <laughs> <laughs> but um, everything's better. So, but when I was in it, I actually thought I was fully functioning and doing a great job and no, nothing, no balls. No, I still had a really good job. You know, I was still being a good parent. I was still running half marathons. I was still, everything was looked okay outwardly, but you know, my anxiety was through the roof. Anxiety was through the roof. Um, I was waking up at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning just with anxiety, keeping me awake all night. Um, I knew, I knew, internally I knew things had to change. Mm-hmm. And what about the actual drinking itself? Because sometimes behaviour is a symptom of something a little bit deeper. Was Were, were you drinking to escape something because that's not really a, a symptom of some other underlying problem it's like bugger this job i hate that boss he's an idiot crack i feel better oh, exactly. is that's that's different to if you're drinking to feel better about something and you need to have something to feel better about something else well the drinking is a symptom of that underlying issue was your drinking a result of that or was it something else you you spotted it picked up exactly there Rob, you know, the, the drinking, the problem is not the problem, okay? So when people come to me with the drinking being the problem, well, it is the biggest problem that they're dealing with at that point in time, okay? Mm-hmm. But when you when you work with them down, down the track, the problem, the drinking problem is not the problem, okay? The drinking is only the symptom of the deeper underlying problem, which is mm-hmm. the real root cause. The root cause is related to some negative emotion or limiting belief that has been triggered, okay? That, and so then when that's triggered, what you've got is that you're, you've been programmed when that's been triggered, you either your circuitry, your brain's been programmed to go, oh, oh when that's triggered, I need a drink, okay? Because we've just been autopilot. That's what we've done. That's what we've done. So our brain's just lo- widened to that as a, as, as a program. And, and that negative emotions and limiting beliefs are related to our conditioning and our past. So what, what you need to really do is to really, I mean, initially I always see people when I, we, we work on getting them sober for a period of time so that we can then go through and work out what the underlying problem is and, and with women, especially, especially with women, you know, most cases is in relation to, you know, low self-worth, self-love, self-esteem, self-confidence. And, and, and that's beliefs and, and values and stories that have happened from their past and their conditioning. Mm. And what, what about 
what about for you? Did you, were they the underlying issues for you as well? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, uh, oh, my God, I I was, you know, I, I, I struggled to look myself in the mirror and say I love myself. Part of, you know, what I did is have to do self-love, practice self-love, and I really struggled. I looked at the person in the mirror and actually really hated myself, mm. um, and, and that was just a history of not feeling good enough. And, and the, there's no blaming here. That was a lot of the story I was telling myself. Mm. It wasn't actually, you know, it was nobody's fault that I thought like that. And, you know, my parents brought me up the best, you know, brought me up the best they could with the resources they had at the time. But, so, you know, some of the events that happened in my life, I led that story to believe that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't worthy, I wasn't deserving of love. And that story carried into my adulthood. And so to, to when that was triggered, I went and drank, self-medicated. Mm. Rachel, it takes a, a hell of a lot of emotional and social intelligence to be able to recognize something like that in yourself. And, and if you've got a, something that you're doing to alleviate that heartache that you're feeling, whether that's shopping, eating, or drinking, or something else... Yeah. Yeah. That's that's hard to recognize that that's the problem and it's the cause. I know for me personally, and, and I think most people listening to this podcast would be able to relate to the things that we're saying here about drinking, and unless, of course, you know, haven't ever you know really been around organizations where that happens. I, I know yeah. for, for me personally, you know, the the military culture is one of drinking, and yeah. I think it's just like boys being boys type thing. It's not that it's encouraged. And it's certainly not frowned upon if you don't do it. Nobody, if you don't want to drink, you just don't drink. Well, that had been my experience. It was never, never a problem if you didn't want to. But the point is, everybody wanted to. And when yeah. I, when I left there, I didn't really, I didn't have those same friends. I didn't have those same mates. And if I fast forward, probably ten years after my military career, I encountered some mates again that I'd served with, and we got together again. And they was their behavior was still the same, right? They yeah. were out you know, drinking and carrying on. And I felt like I can remember um, coming home here where I am now and just walking around the corner to the bottle and buying a six pack and then yeah. doing it again the next day. And then the next yeah. day and the yeah. third day thinking I have a drinking problem, but then yeah. thinking, I actually don't have a drinking problem. I've got a friend problem. Yeah. These people yeah. are the problem. I don't want to drink. I'm going to buy alcohol because these people are coming around here. And they want to drink beer. If they weren't coming around here, they wouldn't drink beer. I wouldn't be drinking the beer. But I tell you what, Rob, I'm going to, I'm going to call you on that because, and I actually don't believe, you've got to actually say I'm 100% responsible oh, totally. for <laughs> in my life. And, and you can't actually blame your friends. You've got to go, I, cho- I chose to drink with my friends. So you've actually got to, and, and this is what I was doing. I was, I was actually blaming. I was blaming my husband all the time, saying, "But it's my husband. He always is asking me to drink with them, and I'm doing it to keep him, you know, to, so we can have a bottle of wine together." But I actually, you got to turn the mirror on yourself and go, "Actually, what? It's not about my. It's not about my friends. It's, it's about you know, what do I want? I'm in full control of my life here and my decisions I make, and I'm going to start being honest with myself and trusting myself and make the right decisions for me." So. As soon as I did that, I was like, okay, it's no longer my anyone else's fault that I'm having to drink. I've got to stop for me. You know, I've got to change for me. And it's like you get back into the driving seat of your, of your life. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, you, you're quite right that it was 100% my fault, me inviting yeah. them around on a Friday or a Saturday night, yeah. come and hang out, let's drink some beers and, and do, what, do what blokes do, you know, like that. And 
that's kind of what it is, but that's totally my uh, But it's a societal pressure. Like, we sort of think we need to do it. And, you know, and I completely agree with you. Australia and New Zealand are just like, you, you're like the freak if you don't drink. The freak. Yeah. Like, you are the fish out of water, okay? And it's taken quite some time for, for people. And I've been very public about it now, so it's pretty easy because people just know. But I really feel for people in those early stages of, of trying, to, trying to stop drinking. It's really hard. Like, they, they have to lie. They have to not go out. They have to, you know, role play the conversations they're going to have before they go to an event. It's... It's really like it's it's the only drug you know where you have to make an excuse to not take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's socially acceptable. It's socially yeah. normal. I, I, I told I told you this story and I wanted to share it on air here and, and get it on the record as well because eventually my kids will discover this podcast and one day I'll be dead and gone and I'll, I didn't know dad thought that. And, you know, so it's a bit of a legacy here for me to yeah. get this down. Great. But, can't wait to hear it. My, my son, he just turned 18 and I was like, all right, all right, come on, man. Let's, let's go down the pub and drink beer till we fall down. And he like looks at me like I'm from another planet. He's like, I, I don't even like beer. I said, it doesn't matter, man. Let's go down the pub and drink beer till we fall down. And he's, he's like, no, nah, we won't be doing that. No. Nah. <laughs> Not, not with dad anyway, not with dad. Definitely, definitely not with my old man. But, you know, now he's like, he's 18, approaching 19, you know, nearly a whole year has passed. And I talked to him and, you know, what have you been up to? Did you go to any parties? He's at uni, you know, the, the university kind of lifestyle. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. All, all pretty relaxed and casual and all that. Going to any parties and go, do you have a few beers? He goes, dad, I don't drink beer. How many times yeah. have I tell you? I said, yeah. I don't know. Did you drink a vodka cruiser then? And he's yeah. like, yeah, I had a couple of those, but yeah, I'm not really into that. And I, I just kind of, it, it struck me that, you know, all jokes aside, alcohol is just not in his life at all. Yeah. And the only reason that he has alcohol is because he's at a party, but then he's sort of like, meh, can take it or leave it. Like, there's, and there's no pressure. And I said to him, what about your mates? Are they like smashing down six packs of JD and Coke and Jim Beam and all of that sort of stuff? Because that's what I was doing when I was his age, right? That's yeah, kind of what I'm asking him. Yeah. Are, are you doing the same thing? And he's like, yeah, they're definitely doing it. And I said, why aren't you doing that? And he's like, nah, just nah. Like he has got no reason. And I think maybe part of it is because he just didn't grow up around it. That's not part of the culture in in this side of the family and with me and his stepmom and with his mum and his stepdad, they don't do that either. So it's yeah. just not inside his family unit. So yeah. he never grew up around it. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, I saw dad have a beer here and there, but whatever. And that's kind of how he is. It's really quite interesting. Cause you've normalized that for his, his conditioning his belief. And it, what you say, Rob, is the stats are proving that. So the stats are in the last 10 years, under 25 year olds drinking levels have reduced by 30%. Okay. So compare this to middle-aged woman, middle-aged woman, which I am, I'm 44 years old, mm. that has increased in the last 10 years, drinking levels, excessive drinking by 85%. <laughs> <laughs> you and you and me, we're the same age. We're the uh, we're the lost generation. It's a, it's a middle-aged market where it's a real problem. You know, we got brought up in the work hard, party hard, play hard, binge drinkers. You know, and it stuck with us. It stuck with us. So, so yeah, the, the millennials they're so health conscious, and they and they've, they've got a higher state of consciousness. Mm, haven't that's they? Good. That's a good thing. 
So, yeah, so we are the lost generation. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell me about your experience of breaking through to the other side because your drinking was a symptom of all of those other underlying issues. And once you addressed the drinking, did it naturally address the other issues? Or oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, it, it enabled me to break down what the problems were, okay? Because when you're drinking heavily, you don't know what the problems, whether or not it's drinking related, whether or not you're just tired and hungover and feeling anxious from the alcohol, or whether or not you're anxious and feeling down and low moods from the problems. So it all just gets so muddled. So it, it's really hard to isolate what the problem is. Mm. But when you've got a clear mind, and this is why I say to, say to clients, when you've got a clear mind and you've got clarity and you've got focus, you can start isolating each of the problems. And then when you can start isolating them, you can you can address them mm. and change them. Mm. And, 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 and you can solve problems to conclusion yeah. so that it's problem gone instead of having these problems for 10, 20 years in your life. Mm. So, uh, so, yeah, I could isolate the problems. And, you know, and a big thing that which I know now, I mean, I've been on a, on a big self-discovery journey and, um, to the point, you know, I left my left, you know, the corporate job because it no longer inspired me, and that was a big that was a big driver behind my prop my drinking problem because I was unfulfilled, I was unhappy and unfulfilled from what I was doing, not following my passion, not living with purpose. So, and that that was creating inner conflict, and that was coming out as in self medicating with the alcohol. So that was one, and the other big one. So. You know, being in a job that inspires you, something that you're passionate about, something where you're living with your purpose, you're honoring your true self. The second one was my relationship, is that I was, because I was I was not being honest with myself and, and I wasn't trusting myself, I almost stopped trusting my own decision-making abilities. Mm. I, wasn't, I wasn't being open or, be, you know, giving myself freely to my partner. Because I was, I was almost holding everything back, and and that even came down to almost having shame around who I was and my body, and just not opening up, you know, and being being rather unhappy, and that coming out in the relationship, you know. I think I've told you before, I was like this. I had this big mask on me, and so when I had this mask, and it was very much a masculine mask, which means I was very controlling, very, you know, low emotion. Uh, would close would would close up with any in, with with emotions and just really quite dominating, mm. which was doing my relationship no favors. Mm. And so so once I changed myself and became honest with myself and started trusting myself and loving myself, my God, my relationship transformed with my husband. Mm. Well, you and, can't you can't give what you don't have, and if exactly what exactly. what you what you're trying to give, you can't give it out if it's been dulled down by a substance exactly but you can't you got to give to yourself first to then give to others Mm. so i had to give to myself first because how can you come from a place of shame and guilt and anxiety which i was in and give and give a loving nurturing you know passionate relationship Mm. it's not possible (laughs) and 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 what what about on the journey of self-discovery that you've been on for a little while now, you, you realize that being an accountant slash lawyer slash in the corporate world and living up to all of those expectations, which is pretty hard. It's hard for 
you know, in, in the world of feminism and equality and equal pay and equal rights, and I'm not trying to polarize an audience. I'm just saying, I'm just saying what's in the media, but there's an expectation that girls have got to live up to this, this thing. And it's, and it's hard. It's hard for women to do that. But if you've left that behind and you've discovered your true purpose, tell, tell us what does alignment feel like for you? Because oh you align with your, with your values and what it is that you want to do. That feels good, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and you know when you've got it, like I, mean, I believe my definition of success is that when you're living a life according to your values mm. and you're in complete alignment with your conscious mind, your unconscious mind, with reality and the universe, you know, you're 100% aligned and you do know that when you get it, but I had to make some major changes in my life to do that. Like by, by no means have I gone, I've gone through a lot of pain and suffering and major changes and challenges to get to that level. And I think that's why it's so transformational and you do break through because you're completely outside your comfort zone. And you're living with a level of uncertainty that you're not used to living with. And, you know, leaving a corporate job of, you know, extremely good pay, I was over $200,000 a year pay, you know, leaving a six-year education behind, you know, completely almost like changing the way I was in a relationship to become a feminine and more submissive and more nurturing and more loving rather than being, I always call it the ball breaker, which I was the ball breaker. So removing that mask, removing that masculine mask that I had been bred to be in the corporate world, to be the leader, to be the the, the, the strong woman, to control, to, to, you know, not listen to men, you know, we're, we're, we're equal rights. Equal. And, and actually, I believe that for me to transform, I need to get back in, back in and be a woman hmm. and, and, and be a woman and be feminine. And, and because I was born of feminine, I was born feminine and I just put on these layers of mask of masculinity and I actually have had to take some of those layers off and become back to a woman and feminine and nurturing and loving and I don't like using the word, but it's submissive with to my husband in the sense that he is the leader of the family. He's a he's a masculine. He likes to lead. He's meant to lead. Mm. It's beautifully said, and and it's and it's well articulated. And and I'm not please. I'm not bashing anything to do with equal pay, equal rights, or political correctness in a workplace or anything like that. All of that is really really important and. You know, the, the modern society that we live in needs that. And women need equal rights. They need equal pay. They should step up and be leaders. They should do all of those things. But the reality is don't do that at the expense of getting involved with booze or some other drug problem or something like that. Because if you're doing that and it's coming from a place of uh, real worth and it's coming from a place deep within you because you want to do that, then that's awesome. Don't do it because of society pressures. And likewise, don't drink beer because your mates want you to drink beer. It's the same sort of peer pressure that you face, right? And that expectation is really, really hard. Now you're on the other side of all of that. You peel back the layers of that mask you've got going on there. You reveal your true self to yourself and to your husband and your kids and your friends and your family. How has life improved for you? Like, Oh, my God, it's transformational. Like, uh, 
I'm completely living my best self. You know, I set up my business. It's called Be Your Best Self. And I've got, I wake up every morning. It's on my phone, actually. It comes up at 5 a.m. in the morning. I, I want to show up and be the best version of myself today. And, and I am completely living my best self. You know, obviously, stresses and challenges of everyday life still affect you as, as if you would anyone else. I've got myself guiding me, you know, like I, I just, I just honor myself and every day just live in my life in accordance with that. And it's like the, and then the universe sort of rewards you by that. And, and what, what you visualize actually happens, you know, the law of attraction, mm. those things start coming into your life. So and the first step is actually putting aside your fear because fear holds you back from doing so much, putting aside your fear and having the courage to take that leap of faith to get outside of your comfort zone and make a change. And, and you know, I did that first with the drinking and then the corporate job and then I changed my relationship, changed my mindset, I've changed my money, like how we, how we manage our money, uh, just I've changed my life. But the first thing I had to do was put aside my fear and then have the courage and the belief that I knew what was right for me. Mm. Mm. It's inspirational when I hear you talk about it because it's your personal journey and yeah. can't help but not be inspired by it. But you, you said yourself that there's, it's a struggle. And, and one of the things that I've I learned and I take away from the military is that the struggle that you feel and the, the, the struggle is quite different to what you're describing because it's usually yeah. in the infantry, it's usually physical. And yeah. <laughs> Pumping around a, a heavy pack on a patrol in the tropics somewhere or in some far off land with some idiots trying to kill you yeah. is hard. It's very, very hard. But what I discovered within myself is that on the other side of the struggle, whatever that struggle might be, whether that's in your mind, it's physical, it's external to you and it's coming at you, on the other side of struggle is salvation. And I, I love yeah. the feeling... I love that word salvation because it's a synonym for freedom and yeah. nothing feels better than freedom and clarity. And when, yeah. you, when you feel clear and free of the struggles that you just went through and then you just powered through, it feels like such a big achievement to get on the other side of that, right? It's, it's worth it. It makes it yeah. worth it. Yeah, oh, completely. And I, yeah, and, and, and that's why I always say to people, like, you're painting, you know, my, my you know, things that I really always think about is that when I, when I see people, people come to me with, you know, pretty big problems and I say, your pain and your suffering will, be an, will become an opportunity mm. because it's a lesson, a lesson that either we learn and we grow from and that lesson we learn and grow from will make you grow into a, and you know, into a better person, but you have to actually learn from that. So if you if you if you have your pain and suffering, you don't learn the lesson, and and you won't grow from it. So you've got to use it as an opportunity, and and that's what I did. You know, I did have pain and suffering, but I learned from it and use it as a lesson to grow. And and that's where you got to see, and that's where you always say no regrets. And and I, I'm glad I had this excessive drinking problem in the sense it's formed and shaped me grow. And to this person I am today, and that's what I say to people that come to me that, that will go, oh, look, you've got your, you know, you've done so well, you're so inspiring, your life's good. And I says, I've probably been through more pain and suffering than, than what you realise because the people that are typically, you know, the ones that you sort of look through that inspire that are growing are the ones that have been through the most pain and suffering. Mm. 
and mm. and and they're the ones that grow the most. Mm, absolutely, and and I saw a really good quote the other day: is that everybody don't be too quick to judge because everybody is having their own personal fight. They're in their own fight club, but they don't talk about it because we don't talk about fight club. Correct. And it's so true, right? right. It's so true. Exactly. And and I I just, yeah, you don't know anybody's personal story, but I I, I always love, you know, the the quality of life will depend upon the level of uncertainty you can comfortably (laughs) deal with. And that is so true. Like we my life now is pretty uncertain. Like we don't know, I, we've sold a house. I don't know where we're going to live. I don't know, I don't know where, you know, what direction exactly my business is. Like it's lots of unknowns, but it's exciting and I can't wait and it drives me every day. And, and actually compared to my life a few years ago, it was so certain. Mm. It was like go to work, do, you know, do the job, you do your little job every day. It was, my, my, my path was so certain and, it was that was actually so unfulfilling for me. Mm, mm. Yeah, you need a little bit of uh, not excitement. That's not the right word. You need it's some uncomfortableness. Mm. Mm. It's actually that feeling when you're uncomfortable is actually it should be a feeling that you embrace. Yeah, lean into that absolutely. Yeah. Rachel, tell me about um, the events that you're going to be running shortly. They're called Women Leading Change. Yeah, tell us yeah. about that. So, so this again is just really um, giving you giving some tips. Really, um, it's a free seminar I'm doing, and it's I'm doing it in Northern Beaches, where I'm from, Eastern Suburbs, Sydney CBD, and Barangaroo and Melbourne. And really, I just want to you know talk about and sort of give some tips on mindset. You know, mindset. Obviously, you know, the things that work for me. You know, the mindset things that work for me. Uh, relationship. Uh, health and money tips, which work for me. And also I know a lot of the top entrepreneurs use to get massive results and changes in areas of your life. So, you know, it's, it's giving you a bit of a, a teaser and taster into and, and some, some of the things that can help you just drive, you know, and achieve growth in both personal and professional sense. So it's, it's a bit of a, you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring. And there'll be, what I love about um, the seminar I'm going to give is it will give immediate transformation. So I, I, I you know, I, I do sort of a, what would I say, like a hypnosis neuro-linguistic programming technique where you actually feel immediate transformation in the seminar. So I want people to walk out of there with a transformation plus some practical learning. And, and this, you will get it from this two-hour seminar. You will walk out and go, wow. Something's been ignited inside me. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to hear and see some more. And for the people listening and watching this podcast on YouTube or Facebook, where I've got some good news for you that Rachel and I are actually going to be doing a YouTube show together. Uh, That'll be kicking off in about the next two weeks. Here we are at the start of September 2019. So there's a whole lot of shows that are going to start rolling out pretty soon. So make sure you head over to the Goalin YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button and ring the bell so you hear about that once those shows go live. And we've got a whole range of things coming up, uh, particularly in and around relationships. Um, That's going to be a lot of fun in panel style discussions, some interviews, expert analysis, and then there's going to be me, the knuckle dragon Aussie bloke there that kind of injects his opinion and it doesn't know anything. 
I've got to be the, the thorn between the roses on the panel. That are going to be a little bit fun like that. So uh, if you're listening in, make sure you head over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button and ring the bell so uh, you don't miss these episodes that will be coming up soon. And there's a whole boatload of content. It's very, very exciting. I'm looking forward to working with you on this. I one. can't wait. Like, this is such my passionate area. Like, oh, my God. I, I couldn't tell. Yeah, relationships. Oh, well, it's such a big part of our lives, isn't it? Like, it's all, it's all of our lives. Is that's it's all that's of our lives? It. Yeah. And um, like I said, you know, you can come to a relationship. Uh, I know there's three stages to a relationship. There's a one when it's all about you, and you know, people that are listening. That which stage are you in? The first one is it's all about you. The second stage of a relationship is. I'll meet your needs if you meet mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I was clearly in that, that stage. And the third stage of a relationship, and this is a relationship which is the one you want, is where it's unconditional loving and unconditional giving. And that, and that, that stage of a relationship is actually when it's all about your partner. And, and when you, and I finally worked damn hard and we are there, and, you know, we've still got space to grow, but oh my God, when you're in that unconditional loving, unconditional giving stage, it is, unbelievable and but I you know I I've clearly had to evolve and you know I, I think I was sort of bordering between the one and the two <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah I've got some other special guests that will be coming on our show as well and and uh, I've got a lady named Alison Motby and she's a she's like a mediator so if relationships you know, there's all aspects you're talking about really good and positive things that are going on there. And she's a, uh, a mediator and she works with family lawyers and counselors and whatnot. And if your relationship is teetering on the edge of maybe not working, she's got these really great triaging systems that can help you either recover it or if you decide that you're going you're gonna to part ways and you're going to go somewhere else, she, she's a trained qualified person that will help you and your partner with your kids and this woman is just yeah. absolutely incredible so she's going to be on our panel discussions as well and i'm looking forward to that dynamic that we've got going on there it's going to be really really special so again i would say uh, make sure you head over to the youtube channel and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss these episodes when they come out in the next couple of weeks cool. all right rachel well as we nudge up against an hour here with the goal in podcast thank you yep. so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your story i really appreciate that but before i let you go i can't not let you go without sitting in the goal in hot seat it's a couple of quick questions you mentioned before that you left New Zealand, traveled the world. Have you got like a, a favorite holiday destination? Maybe a secret spot in Europe somewhere that we can all find out and discover um, for ourselves? I think one of my favorite places has to be Rome. Like it's no secret spot and it's probably out there with a lot of pe other people's favorite places. Like, we got engaged in Rome and um, I was a wannabe Italian for a while. I tried to spend thousands of dollars in trying to learn Italian, but I could never roll my house. So, so that was never going to work. But I just love it. I love the food, the people, the culture, the language. You know, you can't go past Italy for me. Very nice. Very nice. Do you have a favorite author or maybe a favorite podcaster? Um, I think I would probably have, have, if I had to go all in for, for, author and podcast you don't have to you can have two separate ones oh, okay well my favorite podcast is oprah oh no way. Oprah, oprah soul sessions yeah absolutely i haven't had that one before oh she is amazing um amazing woman there's probably on one of the wall behind me right yeah oh wow 
Yeah. yeah, she is like the one with her and Eckhart Tolle. Oh my god, I listen to that regularly. So um, her state, her state of consciousness is so amazing. But um, probably Oprah Winfrey for podcasts and for uh, books, I would probably say Brené Brown. Daring Greatly book uh, is up, and and Eckhart Tolle, The New Earth, is also one of my favorites. So. You know, but you had to talk to me five years ago. I would not have mentioned those two people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just because I've been on the self-discovery journey. I don't know who it would have been. It probably would have been my favorite type of champagne, you know. I'm going to have to balance up that scale for you and hand you off some infantry books, yeah, because it seems very feminine and very feeling orientated, and we're going to give you some masculine side of it there. I know, I know. And I'll start, you know, obviously I love your pie. Your podcasts have been absolutely amazing Thank in the you. last few months. The quality of speakers have just been incredible. So, um, you know, you've got world-renowned international speakers. So, so Robert Bruce, go all in for sure. <laughs> go all in, baby. Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate yeah. that. Tell me, what's a, what's a skill that you have not yet mastered? I would love to learn to play the guitar because my son is so good at it. He's 10 years old and can play. He played the other day at a concert, Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name of. Oh, baby. Which they obviously <laughs> had to cut out the, you know, yeah. that if you don't do what you tell me about. But um, I just I just think, look at him and go, oh, wouldn't it have been cool to learn the electric guitar? But mm. I don't know if I'm just going to do it. It was one of those, you know, fantasy <laughs> things I'd like to do. Time-consuming, right? Exactly, but it looks cool. A bit like surfing. I'm always, I live in Manly and I always want to be a surfer, but never quite made it. I gave up on trying to learn how to surf and got to stand up paddleboard instead. It's much easier. Yeah, exactly. Much easier. Body, 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 body. Much easier. I don't have to stand up on the thing. Yeah, easier. All right, what's the, uh, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Go all in. Go all in, buddy. Go all in. I love, you know, like, just stop, stop worrying about a decision. You know, if you feel fear, push through that fear and have the courage and go all in. Because usually when that feel that fear, it's usually something that you should do, you must do. Mm-hmm. So so my view is, you know, stop just make you look at all the entrepreneurs of you know, people at the top entrepreneurs, they make decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's I used to procrastinate and decide and worry and spend days, months worrying about making a decision. And now I'm just like quick decision. Go all in. I go all in. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. Well said. Well, Rachel, thank you again for coming on the show. If people want to connect with you and learn more about your products and services and the events coming up, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way is for them to go across to go across my website, www.rachelhind.com and, and just stay connected to me. I'm all over social media, Rachel Hind, be your best self. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So just look up Rachel Hind and you'll you'll find me on any platform and website. All right, sounds awesome. And if you're listening to this podcast on your phone, just take a little peek at the show notes and you'll see all of the links to Rachel's socials and her website right there so you don't have to go poking around in Google for them. And if you're watching this video, just scroll on down and you'll see the links right there in the show notes. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and ring the bell while you're there. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the Go All In podcast. I really appreciate you having coming here today on this very first one. This is one of probably a couple of hundred. I can't wait. Next year or so, so I'm excited for that. Have you got a, for this show, have you got a parting comment, a parting shot for us? Uh, I think one of my favorites is, yeah, um, as your beliefs become your reality. So 
what you're telling yourself, uh, what you're believing is actually going to be your life. So if you if you're believing, if you, if you wake up every morning, you're believing that you know you're not going to do it or something's not going to happen or I'm not good enough or you, that will become your reality. Change your beliefs and you will change your reality. And it's just it's so you know it's just changing our mindset. So. And it's all within our all within our own power to do that. So, um, just really, really reinforce to people to you know change your mind, and you can completely change your results in life. Well, that's a beautiful way to end the show, and fantastic advice. So, thanks again for coming on. We look forward to speaking with you it's very soon. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm honoured to be here, Rob. Thank you. All right. Bye for now. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Rach, just take a peek at your phone and you'll see the links to her website and her socials right there so you're not going to have to go digging around in Google for them. If you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, just scroll down and all the links are right there in the description. As always, if you've got a question or a comment or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Go All In socials or you can send me an email. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more information. And if you've got a couple of moments and you like what you heard today, I'd really appreciate a review as well as that helps us out a whole boatload here at the show too. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. You don't want to be alone, by yourself, but you'll miss me when it's getting late. Got it all deep, save us when you're ready. If you let me, got it all, babe. Save arms when ready. I'm here when you need me. I'm yours. If you let go.